Maybe we should skip the cute preamble and just jump right into the... The cute preamble? We're already doing the cute preamble. We're there. It's recording. We're going. Well, yeah, but we can edit this out and just go right in. Hello, and welcome to Where the People Aren't. I'm Allie. And I'm Jesse. Today we're talking about... Light of the Navigator from 1986. Our drink of choice, if you want to call it that, is Seagram's Escapes. It was the only thing that felt like South Florida. And it was at the grocery store. So, so we didn't it. have to make two stops. It's surprisingly good. It just kind of tastes like pop. It just tastes like, yeah, like pop. It just. I wonder if that was intentional. Hmm. Picture it. Picturing. It's 1986. 1986. The biggest hit of the year was That's What Friends Are For, a cover of the Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager song performed by Dionne Warwick and Friends, which consisted of Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight, and Elton John. Some great friends. They're going to be a really great song. I'm going to find it. It was a benefit for AIDS research. Keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on. That's what friends are for. 1986 was designated as the International Year of Peace by the UN. Things have been on a steady decline since. Green Day is formed. I feel they just put out a new album. Did they? Like this week. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, Green Day, still rocking. Still rocking since 1986. You go, Billy Joe. I said, I said Green Day is formed. Short eyeliner smeared pop punks rejoice. The U.S. Senate approves a treaty outlawing genocide, which seems late in the game this seems to be little, signing yeah. those treaties in. We could have been committing genocide all that time. We didn't. With virtually no legal repercussions. The Challenger disaster and the Chernobyl disaster both happened. Ooh. This is not a great year for disasters. Oh, no. I didn't want to get into those because they're both hugely depressing. They are hugely depressing. The first non-related surrogate child is born. I don't think that that's true. I think that there have been a lot of non-related surrogate children. There wasn't a lot going on this year that wasn't really super sad. <laughs> so I just started... It was a rough year. ...plucking things. And on July 30th, 1986, The Flight of the Navigator is released. Flight of the Navigator was directed by Randall Kleeser. The music was done by Alan Silvestri, who pulled off an entirely Sith soundtrack and did it wonderfully. Pretty awesome. It's a really fun soundtrack. It's great. Yeah. I was I watched this with Connor last night, mm. and he asked me, what's this movie about? And I just went, uh, the 80s and aliens. Pretty much. And he went, what am I getting myself into? Oh, that sounds like something he would like. <laughs> he did actually end up liking it. This Disney adventure tells the story of 12-year-old David, who lives with his family in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. When he awakens from being accidentally knocked out in a forest near his home, he finds that eight years have passed. His family is overjoyed to have him back, but just as perplexed as he is by the fact that he hasn't aged. When a NASA scientist discovers a UFO nearby, David gets the chance to unravel the mystery and recover the life he lost. I'm not sure that's a very good synopsis of this movie. No, it not, not to say that this movie is very complicated, because it no. isn't, but I don't know if that really... Anyway. Released July 30th, 1986, it had a budget of $9 million, a box office of $18.56 million. So, you know, it doubled its budget. It Good okay. for them. 
It has a 6.9 on IMDb and 83% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, but only a 75% from the audience, which is kind of surprising to me, because mm-hmm. it feels like the kind of nostalgia movie that people should be in love with. I had also never heard of this until, I think maybe you suggested we do it. I just never heard of it. Yeah. I had no idea that it was even a thing. It has a 64 on Metacritic, who regularly rates things harder than anyone else. Uh, it was actually nominated for a couple of Saturn Awards for Best Science Fiction Film, Best Performance by a Young Actor, Joey Kramer, and Best Director, Randall Kleiser. Didn't win any of them, but... The Saturn Awards are like the sci-fi. Yeah, they're like the sci-fi thing. I actually didn't think that there were any awards to talk about in this, but I apparently hadn't actually looked for it, so <laughs> thank you IMDb for having all that shit listed out. You were the one who told me about this movie. You were the one who grew up with it more. Um, I wouldn't know how to call it grown up. I did watch it when I was a kid, and I had thought... My mom had this thing when we were kids where there were movies that you need to see. Okay. And I had thought this had been one of those movies. What were some other movies that your mom thought you uh, needed to see? We had to watch Godzilla movies. Okay. Some Bond movies. Okay. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any other ones. Interesting combination. So I thought this had been one of those movies that she thought we needed to see. So I called her on the way here just to like ask her about why she thought this was a thing that we needed to see. Yeah. And she had zero recollection of this movie. That tracks. <laughs> and I had to tell her what it was and be like, oh, you know, it's the kid who, you know, he gets abducted by aliens and he comes back eight years later and there's the cool spaceship. She's like, oh, yeah, that was a cool one. I like that one. And Was she lying? No, I think she actually remembered it. Okay. And I told her it was on Disney Plus because we signed her up for all this stuff and okay. it's on her TV. I don't know if she actually knows how to get to that on her TV anymore. It has been She's more than a week. Right now, so. <laughs> so she did remember it. She wasn't. She didn't have a good reason for why she thought we didn't know what she thought. She did say that she thought it was a good imagination movie. Okay. But then I, I also said, look, maybe it was just one of the things that we saw at Blockbuster. Because that's what we used to do all the time yeah. is go to Blockbuster and rent movies. And yeah. anyone who's under the age of like... 28 probably doesn't even know what a blockbuster is anymore oh sure they do there's still one where i think it's in oregon i thought it closed did it i thought that the last blockbuster finally closed maybe it did i still have my blockbuster card in my wallet yeah you never know when it's gonna make a comeback mostly because i never clean up my wallet what did you think of it you had never seen it before you didn't have never seen it before i had never seen it i didn't have any any nostalgia attached to it so i i liked it i thought it was much more I don't think there was a ton for adults in it which No, it's it's pretty solidly a kids movie. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's no. just a, it's just a fact. Uh it was it was fun. I don't I get into this a little bit later. I generally don't like space things. Mm-hmm. As soon as I find out that something is set in space, I just instantly lose interest. I don't know why. I've never liked space stuff, so I wasn't as engaged in this as I probably could have been. It was really fun. It had fun I think it had really fun animation. It had an amazing soundtrack. I love the synth soundtrack. The acting was actually pretty good. I love yeah, it's I love solid. a Paul Rubens pop up. I love some Paul Rubens pop ups. It was Oh, that sounds way dirtier when I think about <laughs> some of his future life. Aww. Um, uh, I it was very very fun. It's a very fun movie. Yeah. I don't think that there's a ton of plot, which of course it's for kids, so that's not a criticism. I liked it. I think that it's something that would have made the the regular rotation in my house had we known if this was a film that existed. <laughs> and I was really impressed with the director's credentials, which we get into later. Yeah, yeah, he it's he's like a legitimate kind of a big director. Hitter. Yeah, I felt like this actually really stood up to my memories of it. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember enjoying this movie and thinking it was a fun movie when I was a kid, and I was worried that I was going to watch this and be like, oh god, this terrible movie, what am I making Allie watch? 
And it it actually was still a pretty solid movie. Good. It's not complicated. It's not super dramatic or overdone. It's just a solid, fun kids movie. And it, yeah, like the acting is actually pretty solid acting considering it's just like a Disney production movie. And I don't know, I was, ex- like I said, I was expecting it to be worse and I was pleasantly surprised. It's also an interesting story. Like it's a, yeah. it's unique. It is a fairly unique story, at least especially for that time. There's a couple of TV series that I think did something very similar to this. Yeah. Um, Quantum in the last it or like oh well, it was um was the forty four hundred is the one where the people like pop back in I have no idea I don't know there's a couple of weird sci fi ones that have the same sort of theme of people appearing space I'm later in time I know I care about space you yeah. don't care about space I don't. but it, it yeah it was just a fun like you said it's not overly complicated it's not blowing your mind with some sort of it's just fun sci fi it's, it's just like, a ch- fun movie with a really cohesive look and feel to yes. it. Should we have some production notes? Let's do it. So, I did a little digging for some trivia because I didn't know anything about this movie or its production. And I found an article on D23, which apparently is Disney's official fan club. They ha- oh, I suppose they would have an official fan club there at Disney. Huh. I didn't know they had one, but so this is pulled from their website. <laughs> this was, I feel like this is more of an opinion than trivia, but they're, they're, page on this movie has like a list of trivia very short and according to d23 this movie does a great job of depicting the everyday non-glitzy stereotypical south florida suburban lifestyle which if you've seen this movie they live in a fucking mansion a fucking mansion literally on the water it is a beachfront mansion like multi-storied with bay windows everywhere they have a huge yard how is that not what planet was this person on that was the first thing that will and i talked about when we were watching it he's like oh my god this is this is like a fucking like five million dollar house it is yeah it's insane maybe that is not glitzy in southern florida i mean i've never been to southern florida so i don't know like yeah this is the ghetto it's great so this is unconfirmed because it was sort of confusing with how the production companies were operating but it sounds like the film was initially supposed to be released under a Norwegian film company called Viking Film, which declared bankruptcy during filming. So the rights were sold to Disney, who had tried to, they'd been offered it earlier and they said no or something, but they ended up buying the rights and, and finishing the filming. So like all the interior shots in this movie were filmed in Norway. Oh, weird. For no real reason, because they ended up having to film everything else in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. But a fun fact from that is apparently, uh, what's the, the Joey Kramer, is that his name? Yeah. His stunt double didn't speak any English. Yeah, I remember reading a thing about how they're trying to do the scene where he's flying the ship, mm-hmm. and like his body is moving, or he's like you know leaning back and forth, and the director was trying to get him to lean certain ways, and by the time it went through the translator and to the Norwegian kid, it was too late for him to move that way, so it took him like all day. All day. To get it to work. Uh, Disney was initially reluctant to accept this, probably why they said no in 1984, due to the lukewarm reception its previous live-action film, Return to Oz, had received, and they didn't want a repeat. In Navigator's defense, it did not include a hall of disembodied heads. It does make a difference. (laughs) The only thing anybody remembers about Return to Oz is the hall of heads. Is that the one that has the weird little robot guy? Or like the anim- or the- I think it- I don't know. I- If I've seen this movie, it's been a long time. It's on my Disney Plus watch list. I think it's the only one on there. (laughs) 
this was the second Disney movie to include profanity. <gasps> we love profanity. We fucking love profanity. The first was Popeye, which was directed by Robert Altman and starring Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. And as I just found out, it was released by Disney. Huh. Have you seen that one? I think so. It's, we own it. It's so good. It's what such a great movie. What was the profanity in that one? Just dams and bugs. Oh, like okay. It's very light and it's the same very... with this one. It's very light. It's not like Tarantino-esque or anything, but it's it made it a little bit more realistic. Yeah. So this was the, the second one to ever have that. I mean, not that they're Again, vulgarity-laden not... now, but... Right. Uh, the opening... <laughs> the opening of this movie is very weird. It's at a frisbee-catching competition, and it's it's so heavily dog-focused that you think the dogs are going to play a bigger part. I have don't. no recollection of this opening scene. It's like three no. minutes long. It goes on for a long... It goes on way too long. But I have zero recollection of this frisbee competition. Yeah. Nothing. No memory of it. I loved watching them all succeed or fail. Yes. They but were you all know, such good babies. They're all good dogs. But good dogs. ultimately not super important to the plot. And <laughs> I feel like if that, maybe it's because they're throwing the frisbee and it looks like a spaceship. I feel like that's really reaching. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things of this is the like spaceship fake outs. <laughs> Because there's yeah. three that I can think of. There's that frisbee at the beginning, the silver frisbee. You're like, oh, it's a spaceship. No, yeah. it's a fucking shiny frisbee. Yeah. And then there's the blimp that goes overhead. Yes. That's and a big deal. It's a big deal. And then when David is walking through the forest to get, go meet his brother, there's like a big shadow thing and he walks into a water tower. Yeah. And psych, I, thought, psych, I thought it was actually a really funny, clever joke to have that like yeah. visual gag of, oh, nope, this isn't the spaceship. Yeah. Because you know it's going to be a spaceship. Like... There's going to be a spaceship in this movie, because if you right. see any promotional material for it, there's a spaceship. Exactly. So to hint at it like that was pretty great. <laughs> so Adam Rosenberg from Mashable.com wrote that the story works because NASA, the movie's most antagonistic presence, is never really cast as a villain. That Flight of the Navigator keeps up a sense of narrative tension without an overt villain and is, is one of its greatest strengths. And after watching it, I'm not 100% sure that I agree with this. When I took this note down, I was like, oh, yeah, I know, that sounds right. But after watching it, like, they do kind of make NASA out to be a little bit of an saw, evil yeah, agency. Very, you could say, and I think you wrote down here that they, they're, it's less malicious and it's more just, like, logistical. Like, they don't know yeah. how to deal with, with children. They, but they, they don't understand children. A, they're literally locking someone in a room with a two-way mirror. Well, I mean, mirror. to be fair, why is why are there even spots on this NASA campus for a child to be That's kept? That's what I'm saying. I, my next note is, is NASA evil? Is NASA is evil? Is this why we need Space Force? I feel like it's a real fictionalized version of what NASA is, because also I don't think anything would happen this quickly in NASA. I don't think anything happens this quickly in the government ever. Well, not right now. I don't think ever. I, I, yeah, like I said, I don't know that I would call them like evil, but certainly not the good guys of this movie. I think what makes them seem more malicious is that they're not ex they do not explain anything going on to him no they're super dick bags when they've got him like tied like down to that chair yeah, with the thing he, on his head he and, has like the eeg on his head and they're they're talking called. to they're talking the inside yeah. of his head but not him it's very like tra kind of traumatizing to watch yeah. this little boy is being really very violated and he's scared and no one's like hey it's cool we're just hey it's all right we're just extracting here's what we think is happening in your head no they're just talking to the entity in yeah, his head so and not I, him. I think that they're villainous um, one of <laughs> one of connor's comments when we were watching it was so the main scientist's name is dr faraday Faraday is a scientific term. It's a Faraday cage blocks electromagnetic fields. He knows that? 
yes, Connor's a fucking nerd. Okay. Um, to be fair, I also knew what a Faraday cage was, so it's not just him. Okay. Um, but he's his comment was, what did he say? Really? Did they just forget to replace their placeholder names in the script? Because <laughs> it's just... Well, they weren't counting on people knowing what a Faraday cage was. I mean, maybe, I guess. But yeah, so it's... That was one of Connor's pet peeves about the NASA people. Uh, sure. That's fair. A day. It, <laughs> I mean, that is pretty dumb, like... Ferret, like, but I mean, it's a kids' movie. So maybe they were they were trying to add those like little. Puns That's fair. In there. Yeah, not working on being very. They were trying to be subtle. They weren't trying to be subtle I mean, at I didn't all. know what the hell Faraday was, so got one over on me. I got you. To stick on NASA, their total lack of security. This is one of your notes. This is so unbelievable to me that even with the shitty child abusing NASA. There isn't somebody standing guard outside of the spaceship or following around the male robot. Well, there was somebody outside the spaceship. They're, like, playing... There are. And then, like... Minecraft or whatever. The ones watching David are just, like, the most useless. I think the one I wrote down while I was watching it was it's so hard to get good help these days. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, to get onto the robot, Ralph, first of all, does he or does he not need somebody with him? I feel like the character of Valve was not very well fleshed out. I feel like the character of Carolyn was pointless. So does Sarah Jessica Parker. So does Sarah Jessica Parker. We'll get to her later. But so, Ralph, like, what is the point of Ralph? Does he just help carry things? Does he just move around? What does Ralph stand for? Do you remember? Nope. I'll see if Google will tell us. We could pull up the movie if we can. <sighs> something, something labor facilitator. Like, robotic. Okay. Ralph stands for Robotic Assistant Labor Facilitator. That's awkward. It's an awkward and clunky name. They wanted it to be Ralph, and they made it happen. Yeah, they formed it around. They him. made it work. And on the topic of the robot, why are there not better security protocols around this robot? I don't know. Either the robot needs to have better security protocols, like not just anyone can open it, mm-hmm. or their facility as a whole needs to have better... Well, but we know she can open... Carolyn can open it because she's... But she's not there when David sits inside of it. Oh, then I don't know. And then the, we get the, might just be a plot hole. the best, one of the best 80s robot montages, this and Johnny Five. I love how it's just a long shot of him rolling across the parking lot. <laughs> like the sunset. The sunset. And people walking past him. Like, this is the stupidest shot I've ever seen. It's great. And then he pulls up to the hangar where they have the spaceship. And the guard doesn't even, like, question. He's like, let me just scan this robot in. Oh, hey, Ralph. And let's, in. let's it in there. Speaking of Carolyn, this was Sarah Jessica Parker's third major film. I do not remember what the other two were. I don't care. When she was asked years later what drew her to the role, this was her response. Are you seriously asking me what drew me to Flight of the Navigator? It was a part. Like, literally. I just got a part. I went and did it. That's what I did for most of my career. Nothing drew me to it. I can't. It was a job. That's exactly a paycheck. That's exactly what drew me to it. What an artist. I respect that so hard. I really feel like she wasn't losing herself in this role. I don't... Has she ever? I never saw Sex and the City. So I, uh, I didn't either. Well, she's in um, the First Wives Club. She's one of the Second Wives. That's true. She's Hocus Pocus. Yes, so she's she'll Hocus be Pocus. We'll hear about her again. But I really respect that. Like, it was a paycheck. What do you want from me? That's a great fucking attitude. Well, like, it's can, great. We can certainly relate to that. We sure can. The director, Randall... Is it Kleiser? 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 Sure, pick one. Randall Kleiser uh, is actually very accomplished. He also directed John Travolta's first major film, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, which was the same premise as, like, Bubble Boy. Oh, I fucking love Bubble Boy. Kid with with no immune system. It's such a dumb, dumb movie. 
movie, and I love it. I think so that was Jake Gyllenhaal's first big movie. I think it might have been. I Yikes. fucking love that. Um, the weirdly pedophilic Blue Lagoon. Ooh, yeah. You ever seen that one? I think I have. It's a movie where if you're 14, it isn't weird, but if you're an adult, you're like, I gotta turn myself into the FBI. Because <laughs> there is a lot of naked Brooke Shields, and she's for sure... 14 years old. Oh, yikes. It's gross, but very popular. And everyone's favorite Fonzie-esque musical spectacular, he directed Grease! He did direct Grease. He directed Grease. He also likes to self-name drop, I guess. Not necessarily yeah, there were a few references there to his earlier There are many words. references to it. There's uh, when, his, when David's parents first pull up to the house towards the beginning of the movie, they're playing one of the songs from Grease in the car, and then David asks for Starsky and Hutch, when he's at NASA, and that was directed by Robert Kleiser. Crazy. I mean... And a naked Brooke Shields runs through the background. That's definitely what happens. Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, was the voice of Max, but he used the name Paul Mall, which is also a kind of cigarette, but I think that that's unrelated. I think that's unrelated. I read it. It was his decision. It was Paul Rubens' decision to not put his real name in there. He pulled a Robin Williams. He wanted it to be... He wanted it to be a secret, I guess, which is funny, though, because the second they do that brain transfer, yeah. he's just fucking Pee Wee Herman he as a spaceship. full Pee Wee <laughs> And his yeah. little laugh and whatnot, like, it was a terrible Pee Wee Herman laugh. No, I'm never doing that again. Okay, he did have a number of robot voice roles though he went on to voice the ro- the droid rex in disneyland star tours which closed in the early 2010s but then when they opened galaxy edge just recently rex is now in the cantina okay. and he came back and voiced it for galaxy's oh, edge that's good. so he's just he's making that sweet robot cash that's great if we're gonna stick on cast and crew in the yeah Tragedy of Child Actors. Yeah. Joey Kramer, the boy wonder of the movie, is most recently best known for robbing a bank in Canada. Yeah. Uh, he apparently also has a number of drug-related issues and many run-ins with the law. That sucks for him. Yeah, we wish him the best. That's really rough. Also, robbing a bank now is an interesting move. They probably have cameras and yeah. silent alarms and police. He wore a disguise. Yeah, I He really... got away with cash, but he they only did. found him because they had run in with him in the issues with the law before. I still really feel like he thinks that he is in a 1960s sitcom. I mean... He wait, robbed a bank wearing a wig. A wig and a long coat, Tell yes. me that's not I Love Lucy. A little bit. Then we have to decide, is it the fault of Disney for hiring young actors? Because there aren't many Disney actors. <laughs> what are they going no, to okay. hire? But there are a lot of child actors that, especially like in the 70s and 80s, that weren't given a lot of like normal life experience. Oh, no. There's, um, what is the kid's name? One of the Corys. Corey Feldman, yeah. I think, who is now on the... Which one of the Corys died? Didn't one of the Corys die? The other one who is in Corey Feldman. The other one who's not Corey I don't remember his name. Me either. That was a little tiny bit before my time. But he is one of the people who started talking a lot about child sex abuse in Hollywood and you know, like Elijah Wood has commented on it and yeah. just it's just it's been happening as long as there's been film. Right. Well, Judy I mean, Garland was abused. I remember reading, I read a story about Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland in yeah. The Wizard of Oz where they would have them on uppers during yeah. the movie and then put them on like sleeping pills to knock them and out. And it was like the 30s so there was no they regulations. They were like pumping quaaludes and shit in yeah. the kids and like giving them cigarettes and just... No wonder her life went off the rails like when you're 
fucked up like that by movie studios. Renee Zellweger just last night <gasps> won an Oscar for did her she? portrayal of Judy Garland. I heard she did I good. Didn't know that was a movie until last night. I had no idea, and it, looks, uh, I it remember, looks really good. I remember it was coming out. I didn't see it. It's, I heard good things about it though. I saw the trailer for it. Nineteen Seventeen looks like it's a real hard one to get through. I don't know that one. I think it's about World War One. That does sound but it's like following two people. I feel like it's a continuous shot or something. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, can we talk a little bit more about the house? Oh, the house. I texted you as when yeah. we were watching it the first time and said, Will and I have discovered we love mid-80s South Florida aesthetic. Yeah, the South Florida beach house look was pretty solid. Everything, like even, it was a beautiful house, but even when he goes back in 1986... He opens the door and, like, runs into the house. I'm like, oh, they turned that corner into a bar with, like, wicker furniture. It looks fabulous. Everything about it is great. <laughs> and they have that great wallpaper with, like, the black and white yep. fans on it going yep. up the stairs. That was it. awesome. I love everything about it. I wouldn't change a thing. No. We stand an 80s aesthetic. We stand that 80s aesthetic. When we were looking for houses, we found one house that the basement was just, like, straight out of the 50s. Yeah. It was so great. I wanted to buy the house solely based on that basement. We peek at houses sometimes because we like to torture ourselves. And there was one I found that was, it was very small. I think it was in North. And the bedroom was in the basement. It was, like, a thousand square foot house. It was pretty small. The bedroom was in the basement, and it was entirely wood paneling. And I showed it to Will, and he was like, yes. Yes. (laughs) Like, you want to live in a VFW. So the special effects for this movie were considered very cutting edge at the time, like state of the art. It was kind of like the beginning of CGI work was happening in this yeah. mid-80s. According to 80skids.com, where a lot of I got a lot of my trivia from, it was the first use of image-based lighting and an early use of morphing in a motion picture. This was done in a super complicated way by digitizing moving video images from videotape that had been transferred from the background film plates and then rendering the spaceship in using a literal supercomputer. Can only really understand how that. The computer evidently crashed several times a day. I wrote indicating it was using Windows XP. And it had a name which was... It was named Foonly F1. I don't know what that means. Neither do I. One of the things that I hadn't, it hadn't even occurred to me as I was watching this, but, you know, you have a giant chrome ship. It needs to reflect accurately. Yeah. So that was part of the big CGI that they were doing. It was called, let me look at this, reflection mapping. So they had to basically make sure that what was reflecting off of the spaceship looked like it was actually reflecting the landscape around it. And I really... in the ass. Right. And it's, it's, like you said, it was a very complicated process, it looks like. I don't know much about it because I'm not a CGI person from the 80s, but I think this actually holds up and looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. Um, The graphics aren't, they're not amazing by modern standards, again, pre and post Gollum, but I think that it's it's pretty easy to, to dismiss anything from like before that film franchise came yeah. out to be like, oh, well, this is this is like shit. But like, I think it's really important to embrace things the way that they, how they looked at the time they right. came out. And I think that's why like Star Wars is so important to people because for the time it was amazing. Well, and a lot of Star Wars was practical. It wasn't actually CGI yeah. stuff. Right. Well, Most we're talking like, about this now. We're talking about Star Wars. Well, you started Star Wars, so. I was trying to be nice. We're moving away from Star Wars. Okay. How did it look on your big screen? Because I don't have as big of a TV as you do. It looked pretty good um some of the moving effects like when the, sh- the ship is zooming away looked a little bit cut and paste yeah but all- overall it looked pretty tight it held okay. up pretty well yeah because so, it looked pretty good on ours and i think that is a testament to their the reflection mapping that yeah. they did that it does look a little bit out of place but it's 
intentionally looking out of place. It's this very right. unique alien spaceship that, frankly, like it's a very special, interesting, unique shape that you don't see. It's not a standard UFO shape. It's yeah. not the thing on the X-Files poster. It's yeah a very interesting shape. And it's also like, it felt pretty seamless. Yeah, it did. In there. I mean, like you said, a couple times when it's zooming off that it's a little less cohesive. It but organic, though. But overall, it was pretty organic. So I found the note on IMDb that says one of the prop halls was refurbished and is now a topper of a drink station in Tomorrowland. At, in the Magic Kingdom. In the Magic okay. Kingdom. So, so it's like painted red and it had some things attached to it. Okay. I saw a picture of it. I would never have been like, oh, that's the flight of the navigator ship. Right. Well, when we're there, I will take a picture of it. Please do. And I'll send it to you. The other thing, cool thing of the spaceship is the inside of that spaceship. The one hundred time, baby. 100% extra chrome. Everything is shiny and chrome. It must have been a nightmare to prep that set for filming every day. Seriously. But again, it's sort of that unique spaceship design that I don't think I've seen anything else that looks like this one. No, not really. And it, it, the shape shifts. And it shapes everything, comes up out of the floor, and looks really cool. Oh, that was a fun, I think it's a really neat, interesting spaceship design that yeah, it was fun. doesn't have anything else like it. Let's talk about those puppets. The puppets. Those little, those little critters. The little critters. Uh, they're not Henson puppets. I thought they might they have been. They look very much like a they Henson look, puppet. And you know, the more I thought about it and I was looking, I was like, they're trying a little too hard. Yeah. They don't quite have the same natural feel that the Muppets yeah, have. Yeah, a little stiff. But they, I think they did a really good job of having a variety of species, so it wasn't all just, like, yes, they boring. Could, they came from different planets. They clearly were different planets and different things. I am going to say I love when David asks Max, like, what are you going to do with them? And Max is like, I'm going to take them back to their home planets where they'll be safe. Like, thank you, Max, because we were all wondering. We were concerned. Except for, like, I don't remember what it was called, but it was the snot one. Oh, the snot one that Man, had cold. they did a great job with that. That was fucking disgusting. It was so gross. It had a cold. It had a cold, but... but... Do you relate? <laughs> <laughs> I look like the snot one right now. Uh, should we talk about some costume stuff? Some pretty solid 70s and 80s looks let's happening in this. About, let's talk about the 80s. Uh, we gotta talk about Sarah Jessica Parker's outfits and her hair. Yeah, she was And her in. one earring in her left ear. She had one in the right ear, but it was not dangling. Okay. It was, that was, I, just, I, only, I only noticed the very vibrant. It's a very 80s. The yeah. one she was at a Twisted Sister show. She, she did go to Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister. I wrote great hair, great earring, just one left ear, popped collar, yep, purple, purple hair, hair. Mm-hmm. solid look every time she's on screen. Yeah, she gets her shit together. She was she was on top of it every single time. Uh-huh. Love it. But even, like, the shirts that David wears are so late 70s striping. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Oh, and then we gotta talk about Jeff, older Jeff. So, Jeff is the younger brother, and I, I wrote, Jeff, the younger brother, grew into a perfect 80s stereotype. Floral print button-up with with rolled-up sleeves, round glasses, coiffed hair, uses the word red unironically. I love him. I, I, I love him. I'm here for older Jeff. I'm He's, here for yeah. older Jeff. He is, he is the pinnacle of 80s hipness that we never knew we always needed. If I was a 16-year-old girl in 1986, I would have been all over Jeff. Well, I don't know if I would have been that way, but I think he was great. I think he's great. Okay. Love him. Love him. One of, the only thing Connor had to point out for sets is when he's going into the hangar where the spaceship is, when David is, when he's ridden in on Ralph after his montage scene, <laughs> Connor just goes, oh, it's those plastic sheets they put around aliens all the time. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is a pretty common trope. Yeah. 
Okay. Songs. I guess there's not as much to talk about for songs. No, not really. It's not a musical, obviously. Although I'm interested to know what Flight of the Navigator the musical would be. I don't have a joke for that yet. But yeah, I would. Ooh, I, well, I'm sure it'd be Synthy. It would. There should be a Synthwave musical. There should God, be. God, that sounds like it'd be so annoying. Connor's into the Starlight Express. You know, I don't know Starlight Express at all. Except you don't they're want all to. on skates, aren't they? They're trains. They're, oh, they're, tra- they're, they're trains. They're trains on skates. It still plays in Germany. You have to Sounds be- like something yeah. Connor would like. Right. Full offense, Connor. Full offense. So the soundtrack is entirely electronically generated, yeah. all synth, all the time. We talked about this a little bit earlier mm-hmm. by Alan Silvestri. It really leaned into that 80s sci-fi theme. I yeah. think it, And I think it really did help to kind of set the tone mm-hmm. for the movie, which I suppose any good soundtrack should be doing. Uh, when Max and David stop to ask the car full of teens for directions, the song playing is Trapped in My Mind, which was a parody of The Cure's A Man Inside My Mouth. I have never heard of this Cure song. I feel like that's a deep cut. I don't know I that I think song. it's a real deep cut. I had my Cure phase in high school, and I don't recall this song I'm at all. I'm pretty familiar with The Cure. I've seen them live. Oh, I'm jealous. It was very expensive, and Robert Smith is being held together with good wishes and bubblegum. And some eyeliner. A lot of ton of eyeliner and hairspray. I don't know that song, and I don't, I certainly don't know the parody of it. Well, it's not an actual parody. They wrote it for this movie, and they did not make a full song. Well, still. It's just the clip of it that's played there. I didn't recognize it. Nor I. Uh, When David is watching TV at NASA, the music video that's playing on the TV is Lose Your Love by Blancmange. This is possibly the most bizarre music video I have ever seen. I love it. Unlike the song from the car, this is an actual music video. You made me watch the music video. I made you watch it before we did this. I'm I'm in. I'm 100% in. It's... It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. This, so this is 1986. This movie, or this song came out in 1985. So it was four years after the beginning of music videos. Yeah. Um, so I think we're still in that phase of, what the hell do we do with the music video? Mm-hmm. This music video is the two guys in Blancmange staring directly into the camera at all times. Yes. Not blinking. Not blinking. Just destroying things. Destroying chairs, destroying sinks, destroying washing machines. At one point, they just pull socks out of a washing machine. I love it. It's so great. No one knew what the hell was going on in 1985. Um, So there's the singer, and then there's the keyboardist, who clearly doesn't have a keyboard to play in this. So he just stares into the camera and doesn't say anything. He doesn't have anything else to do. He's just staring. It's easily the weirdest music video I've ever seen in my life. And I'm so happy that I looked it up to see yeah, if it was real. Yeah, me too. I, will, I, I totally thought it was made up. I will made. post it's it so on weird. Twitter and you must watch it and enjoy it for your own self. Cause it's so strange. It's great. Uh, one of those songs is The Beach Boys. I get around that they find on the radio. I love it. It reminded me of Jerry Maguire when he's flipping through the radio stations looking for something to sing along to and finally hits Free Fallen. <laughs> My only complaint with the Beach Boys song is that it's from 1963. Doesn't like that year? Well, no, it's like, okay, so David's a 12-year-old in 1978. I knew a lot of my parents' music that they listened to that I when suppose. I was a kid. Maybe he just really likes the Beach Boys. Maybe he's just really into it, but he, and he is. They dance around to it and they have a great time. Yeah. That's it for music, I think. I think that's it for music. I just, you know, enjoy that soundtrack, that synth yeah. soundtrack. Some social commentary and problematic bits of this movie. Yeah. I think we're reaching a little bit on some of this, like... Yeah, so I... This kind of goes in with the, your first note here. I'll just read mine first, because I'm more important. I see. Um, 
So I wrote this movie set in 1978 and it was released in 1986. And I know that standards were a lot different for like decency or yeah. what was considered the norm in movies. Like think of how many bare breasts were in like comedies, like Eddie Murphy yeah. comedies and stuff. Yeah. There were a ton. You would not get away with that now. But I was still really surprised to hear the word retarded thrown in. Yeah. It really surprised me. Um, it's such a sensitive word that is just a taboo. You don't, you just don't use it now. Well, but you don't use it now, but I think even into the 90s, it wasn't. It was pretty, I guess it was pretty normal. But it was I'm, a normal thing. It's just. It's not good, but it, it was. It feels so strange and outdated to hear it now that it's like. Yeah. Almost embarrassing when I, <laughs> when yeah. I heard it pop up. Poor little Jeff had to say that. I know. It's okay. He grew out of it. I'm sure that Flock uh, of Seagull's hair Jeff didn't say that. So the actor that played little Jeff went on to be an accountant. And I'm sure he's very good at it. I'm sure. He he has the look of a CPA about him. <laughs> he's got that CPA glow. Yeah. Uh, what else? Most of I think most of our notes, there are some other things, but most of our notes are, oh my god, how did they live in the 80s? So... Everyone should have died. This is my other thing of other vestiges of times gone by. Kids in the backseat of the station wagon with Nary seatbelt in sight. And then you point out they're literally hanging out yeah, the window. They, they drop off Jeff at his friend's house and David is half out of the back window. Just yelling vulgarities, yelling vulgarities at his brother. And his parents are just like, hmm, that's cool, whatevs. Kids wandering around the neighborhoods all willy-nilly with no adults around. There was a girl riding a bicycle with no helmet on. Wandering through forests at night like woods aren't full of werewolves and pedophiles. And oh, oh, will you, it's dark out, will you go get your eight-year-old brother? Oh, mom, it's only half a mile, but I don't like it when he's in the woods. Are you fucking crazy? Yeah, well, like Connor pointed out, there are no paths through that wood. No, they're so, trying to get their kids killed. They, they're just straight up trying to get their kids murdered. My other complaint with that was they were like, he, he was going to go meet his brother so they could have dinner and set off fireworks because it's the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I looked this up because it bugged me. Sunset in Florida in 1978 on July 4th was 8.16 p.m. Okay. It was pretty dark by the time he's walking through that woods, which makes it at least like nine, 8.45, 9 o'clock. I'm saying you're going to get a little too pedantic with this. I'm drawing the line right here when you start looking up sunset times. I know a lot more about sunset times now. There's things called civil twilight, nautical twilight, and astronomical twilight. Nautical and it's all a matter magical. It's all a matter of how many degrees the sun is below the horizon. Okay. So up until it's six degrees below the horizon, it's civil twilight, which is basically like there's still enough light to do stuff. Okay. Like it's it doesn't really feel like it's gotten dark yet. And then there's nautical twilight where it's, you know, not full dark, but it's you darker. You navigate your way if you're on the sea. I think, maybe. I stopped kind of really looking too hard into this. And then there's Astronomical Twilight, where it's, like, actually no more it's sunlight. out of this world dark. Out of dark AF. <laughs> where it's dark AF. But I would put this, when he's walking through the woods, probably in, like, nautical twilight. Okay. So that would have been like nine sixteen, according to the Farmer's Almanac sunset calendar calculator, which I looked up today. Of course. That is what I did on my lunch break, but it bugged me. Anyway. And he has a big box of fireworks in his room. Oh, he's just got like, it is 
he's got like black cats in there and like his parents didn't care what kills me about this too is so he's got this box and it's got things just sticking out precariously and eight years later when they just have his room still full of stuff because apparently they never got rid of any of his stuff yeah they knew he'd be back the same age (laughs) it's the same box in the same setup like they just literally didn't do anything with this box of fireworks and then older jeff goes up on the roof and fails miserably at lighting fireworks for a while he tried i will not hear a word against older jeff i will give older jeff credit for trying he tried real hard Oh, David's a creeper. He's spying on the girl with the telescope. That is creepy. I am really disappointed that we didn't get to see older Jennifer. I really thought that was kind of a Chekhov's gun that we should have seen. We should have seen older Jennifer, like yeah. 20-year-old Jennifer. You know, for a, a second, I thought that Sarah Jessica Parker I, was going to be Jennifer. It would have been great. That would have been That would have been such a great Disney thing to do. It would have been. And she had, like, the same hair. She could have. Do you think it was supposed to be? And they were like, no, nah, that's too much. I don't know. Because Norwegians put the kibosh on that. Yeah, like, why even bother having the whole I don't bit know. about her biking past and there him is, spying there on is her not, in the There boat. is no point. I was disappointed. Again, the movie isn't really great. Not great. No, it's fun. It was a fun movie. Oh, the good thing, I'm going to give them props on this one. They had a black cop and a female cop. They did, but so, not a black female cop. That's no, later. That's, that comes up later. But they, like that was just the cop representation in this movie. It was I a will, black guy. Though. I will say when the black police officer first showed up, I for sure thought it was O.J. Simpson. The actor looks did very look much like, like O.J. Simpson. He does kind of, yeah. Sorry, bro. Yeah. It must be rough. Oh, and this, again, this goes back to, is NASA evil? So David's been gone for eight years. His parents thought he was dead. Yep. He comes back. He's alive. Hasn't aged, but, you know, at least he's alive. And NASA's like, we're going to, we, we need to take David and do some studies and research. And they're like, okay, take our kid. No problem. Just call us every once in a while. Yeah. Well, what are they going to do? I mean, NASA is oh, like, NASA. Why evil. didn't, like, mom go with them or something? Yeah, I don't know. I also feel like they didn't react the way maybe most people would when your child has been missing for eight years. So looking exactly the same. Yeah, the looking we- the same is the weird part. Like, wouldn't you be like, I'm not sure this is actually my kid. Wouldn't you, like, scream or something? Like, right? Not like, oh my god, David, oh. you're back. Like, you have not aged. It's been eight years. You should be 20 years old. Kid. Yeah. Why? What's going on? Yeah, what's up? Oh, our favorite social problematic issue. The fat character that's just comedy relief. Um, So this one is the gas station station attendant, I think is how he's credited in the movie, when they stop at Al's Gator World. I think he's also called Big Al in the movie. Sure. But so David lands the spaceship and Max leans out of the spaceship and just straight up mocks this guy. And I think the line is, hey, oink, oink, too many Twinkies. Rude. And then he just goes back in the spaceship. Like, that's it. That's the entire. Very rude. Very rude. And also just like. Not very clever. Not clever. No, not at all. You're going to be mean as hell. He's something smart anyway. But I mean, at least Al seems like a pretty good dude. Like David asked for some change and he gave him enough change for not only a phone call, but a candy bar too. Well, David also called Collect. Did you notice that? Oh, he did. So what was he getting changed for? For his candy bar, little shit. You know what's good for him? <laughs> so the guy who plays Big Al is a guy named Randy Pouch. Mm-hmm. He has three acting credits. Okay. Two of them are gas station attendants. I wonder if his regular job is being a gas station attendant. He is a sound operator. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because most of his other credits on IMDb are like sound All right. crew. I really loved the parents' relationship. 
and the relationship with the kids. It was very warm and affectionate. Like the dad always has his arm around the mom and the mom's getting into him. And there's like lots of touching going on. And I think it's really common now to portray families being more dysfunctional with like you know kids being bratty and parents like hating each other so it was, it was right. really refreshing and really sweet and i have a soft spot for like gentlemen and the dad seemed like really he seems like a good dude really good dude so i like that i like how their family was portrayed as like actually a happy family and I, this is one of the things i read about too and i can't remember what i didn't actually make a note about it i think it was an article on tour.com but it was about how david isn't a tragic story or an orphan he's just a normal kid yeah. with a normal family which is like you said kind of out of the ordinary for mm-hmm. some of these movies as you expect it to be the orphan kid or the kid who's got a bad life <laughs> these or... movies are riddled with orphans riddled so with many orphans. orphans i just watched today the black cauldron and Taryn's, I don't believe Taryn's family is ever... There are five books. You'll get there. Oh, in the movie, though, it's never sure. even brought up. He's just, he's the pig keeper and that's his job. And he lives with the old guy and then that's it. There's nothing, nothing about his family. I have never seen The Black Culture, so I don't have any idea. I have read all five books, though. But yeah, it's kind of nice to see just like a, a happy, actual happy family. Yes. That's just living their lives. And then Jeff is so nice to him when he comes back. He's so nice and sweet with his brother. Yeah. And then when David goes back to his regular time. Yeah. It's like, I love you. He's so sweet with his. Are you mad at me? Like, no. It's like the like most convoluted, hard way of solving sibling rivalry. But there you go. Oh my god, the system works. But it works. I think that the way they kind of gave off the, the science-y bits of things. I didn't like it. No? I thought it was oh. done in an okay way where, like, it, it felt like it was real, but they didn't go, like, too in-depth to... I guess, so I feel like just a lot of it was made up. Well, sure, but I think it was made up in a real confident way. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, that's a fair way of putting it. Although there was the whole, you know, humans only use 10% of their brain thing, and I was like, yeah. that's not true anymore. Yeah. And I remember reading something when I was looking into stuff for this, that the faster-than-light travel isn't actually how it would, wouldn't be the correct time travel yeah. science, but that's a whole nother podcast. They'll figure it out. Great movie tagline for this movie. David is eight years late for dinner, and the U.S. government wants to know why. I like it because it sounds like if you're late for something, the FBI is going to be on your case. They're going to come for you. It's a great way to scare kids. Scare I'm your children. 100% into um, I just quoted this line from David. I don't know what I went out of life anymore. And I wrote, David, you're 12. I get it, though. When you're 12 and you're like, I don't I don't know what I want anymore. I mean, I guess, yeah, like, I have an 11-year-old and we're going through, like, existential crisis mode right now, so. I'm sure. Everything is awful. A reboot has been planned since 2009, and in 2017, Lionsgate and the Jim Henson Company announced that they were going to be involved. There isn't a timeline set up yet, I said, but I'm sure they'll cast Finn Wolfhard, even if he's in his 20s by then. He's in everything. But he'll still look like he's 12, so it'll be fine. God bless that kid. He'll always look like he's 12. He still looks like he's 12, and he's probably like 16 yeah. or 17 by now. I think the writer that they got for it is the guy who's writing Lucifer right now. Oh, the show? Yeah. Okay. So, that's the thing. A, a, a gritty reboot of Flight of the Navigator. What, what would a gritty reboot even be? They did a gritty reboot of fucking Archie. That's true. Oh, God, that's so bad. Oh, I forgot about that. I got through two Ugh. episodes and I got so mad. I made Will turn it off. Connor watched it and I think I just straight up hate watch it because I hate it's it. so I hated it. bad. It was just, it's so stupid. On the other hand, though, I really enjoyed Sabrina. I can't get into Sabrina either. I don't know what it is, but I really like it. I love the show when I was a kid and watching this one I'm just like you people have got to stop so we don't really have an origin story for this one because it's just an 80s 
sci-fi movie. That is the origin story. That is the origin story. The origin story was, hey, E.T. did well. We should try that. Origin stories with us usually stem from the fact that so many of the Disney classics are based on fairy tales or folklore, so we like to dive into that. But when it's something like this, to a lesser extent, with Pirates last week, you did a really good job with that, but it was based on information about the ride, really, and the history of the ride. Yeah. And less to do with the actual, like, story or the story developed from because there isn't any other material to... No, and... Unfortunately, there's a lot of these Disney movies that are just weird live-action Disney movies that... <laughs> a lot more than we thought. A lot more than we thought. Now that Disney Plus has come out, I mean, what is an apple dumpling game? Have you seen those ones? No. Don Knotts is in it, that's all I know. Oh, okay. But yeah, so I, it's no origin story, just 80s synth wave. Anything else? No, I don't really have anything else. Um, I went. This was the first movie that I've gone into that I had no idea. The first movie for this podcast went into, <laughs> and I never heard of it. I never. I didn't know anything about it. I couldn't tell you what the plot was or any facts about it. So this was uh, weirdly a little bit more homework than I'm used to, but I had a good time. Okay. I had a great time. I'll, I like anything with Paul Rubens. It was fun. He did go full Pee Wee Herman spaceship. 100%. But it was kind of fun anyway. All right, now we just got to work on next week's episode or next two, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Because we're on schedule. We are. That's good for us. Great. Should we do an outro? Yeah. Why don't you start? Nipple out. Get that flung out. Why do podcasts make us funny? Just nerves. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our episode about Flight of the Navigator. If we wildly fucked something up, please let us know. But I don't know what we would have fucked up because there's there's not a whole lot there. If you just disagree with us, you can also let us know, but we're not going to care. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WTPAPod. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe, or don't. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Wow, we actually finished at... It's 8.37. Oh my god, I'm so proud of us. I'm so it's proud of us, too. It's like last time. I'm going to be able to go home and go to bed at a regular oh god, time. so great. It's going to be awesome. We're really doing very well, aren't we? We are doing very well. That was our shortest one yet. That's what she said?